0: Welcome to the Eyewitness Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Jo Wilson, and this is the show for women who struggle to accept their worth but want to embrace their gifts and share their witness for Jesus. We have a great show today about life after shattering loss. Our guest is my friend and fellow author, Lisa Apolo. Lisa inspires women to deepen faith in life's storms and is an ECPA bestselling author. A former litigating attorney, Lisa is passionate about rich Bible teaching. Lisa founded a team of writers at HopeandGrief.com and currently serves on the executive team for Compel with Proverbs 31 Ministries. Her work has been featured at Life Today, Insight for Living, and many more. As a single mom of seven, Lisa's days are filled with parenting, ministry, and long walks to justify lots of dark chocolate. (laughs) welcome to the Eyewitness Podcast, Lisa. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much, Kelly Jo. I'm happy to be with you. Yes, yes. Thank you. Um, So today I just wanted to talk through, you have a really wonderful, challenging journey that you've traveled with your faith and just, you know, your kind of, your walk with God over these past few years. So I just wanted to share or wanted our listeners to hear a little bit more about your background, about your family, and then go from there about your faith journey, because you're really passionate about helping women through that shattering loss and grief. And I think it's just so inspiring and you have just such a wonderful story to tell. So why don't you first start by just telling us a little bit about your family, about your background, and even how you came to know Jesus, like how how old you were and just a little bit what that looks like.
1: Sure. So, you know, even when I start, when you were asking that question, I was thinking about my story and I thought, you know, even, even now it's hard to think this is the story that God has written. This is not what I would have expected. And I think so many of us can identify that, that we are living out a life that we didn't expect things that have happened things that we wanted to happen that never happened so yeah i'll start with when i came to christ i was a young girl i was raised in the church and so i boy from the youngest that i can remember i was in sunday school and in church you know things weren't perfect i definitely you know even in my home you know, we really didn't, there wasn't a lot of teaching about Jesus in my home. Most of that was, was just going to church on Sundays. But I wanted, I knew that I needed a Savior at eight. And so I kind of count that eight years old. But we weren't a family that like wrote the date in the Bible or anything like that. So that's really as best as I, I can remember that I was eight. Um, going wow. forward and talking to our pastor and, and getting baptized and all that. But then in my teen years, kind of did the, some teen things really as a 15 year old rededicated my life and from that time on owned my faith as as an adult you know you understand what you can as an 8 year old and then we we grow older and we almost have to make those decisions over again as an adult wrestling through some of these issues that seem so simple at 8 years old right
0: oh absolutely yes
1: yeah But fast forward, I married my college, I married my high school sweetheart. So we actually were in Sunday school together. We met in like seventh grade, but he was just another boy across the room, you know. And then by high school, we were in a big group of friends. He was a surfer. We'd go to the beach together and he was my first date. He was my only date and we went to college together very intentionally because we we knew that we had a future together and then we married sometime in college fast forward i we ended up with seven children which is oh. another unexpected i mean this was not in the plan at all but god god will tender our heart and ask us to step out in faith and in, in ways that we never you know thought that we could but so yeah i have seven children five are launched and have families of their own and i oh. am still actively parenting two my two youngest at home and then yeah i i mean My story, I think when we talk about shattering loss and how God really gave me a heart for the woman who's walking that started 11 years ago when I went to bed, happily married and woke up a widow and single mom Mm. to my seven children. And there had been no signs, there had been no symptoms, but I woke up in the early morning hours to my husband's funny breathing on the pillow next to me and called 911, started CPR Really thought, you know, the paramedics were there within minutes. And I thought, okay, he's in good hands. He's he's going to be mad when he wakes up and finds out he has to miss work today. But he never recovered. And so, you know, that went into the ER and they called me into that room you never want to go into. And the ER doctor said, we've worked on him for over two hours and have never been able to revive him. And so I went home to tell my kids, like, that that was it, that their dad was in heaven. And You know, life in every sense fell apart, Mm -hmm. just shattered into a thousand pieces that would never be the same again.
0: Wow. That definitely would cause your life to absolutely shatter. Being so young, you know, like, and, and just loving him so much. I mean, pretty much immediately, if you're going on, you know, you go on this date and you have him and he just, you both are just so Young and full of life, and dedicating your your lives to one another, and then you have this family. And like you said, your life kind of took a turn completely unexpected, you know, which is even more of a blessing in, in itself once you're like walking that path. But then, you know, waking up in the middle of the night and oh my goodness, the way you put it, like you you went to bed married and you woke up a widow. It's it's yeah. happily married and woke up a widow. Ah, uh, First of all, I'm just so sorry that you had to deal with that, Lisa. Um, personally, I, I just can't imagine, and I'm sure you've had a lot of people say that to you. I will say though, the encouragement and inspiration and help just even by being here today, as we talk through your story a little bit and just knowing you and knowing that what you've, your your passion for writing and your passion for reaching women, I'm sure that you've provided a lot of comfort to a lot of people and have really blessed them. So I really, I'm so gracious that you're here today to talk about this. Yeah. Going back really quick. So whenever you're young, I, I just want to point out one thing, which I think is so neat. So you're eight years old and you're like, yes, I love Jesus. And it just kind of is like, there, you know, your family is, you know, going to to church and things like that. You know about him, but it's not like, like you said, like writing it in the calendar. I feel I, I completely identify with that. I feel like my family had always talked about Jesus; that it was kind of like a well known that you're Christian, right? That you just kind of know him and you say prayers, and that's it. So you can't really pinpoint the day. But like you said, when you were a teenager. You could then, because after you kind of, so you come to know him a little bit as, as you're young, but then it never left you. Just like he tells us, like it never departs from you. Um, you go and, you know, make some mistakes, get dealing with all the hormones and a teenage everything, <laughs> you know, it's funny. Cause I completely identify with you there. You know, it's like, once you realize, once you see a little bit of the brokenness that you are, and then you go back, it has a little bit of a different meaning, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I was, you know, I was doing things I, I shouldn't have been doing. Um, and so in that sense, I really felt the before and after. And I, I didn't get saved at fifteen. I was right. saved at eight. But I wasn't living fully for the Lord. And I had I was wandering from Him. And I was really at a point where I could have kept wandering, maybe not come back. Or I could say, no, this is the truth. He is my savior and I desperately need him. And I did. And really, I mean, it's interesting because I was actually at a a youth camp and it was one of those things, you know, where everybody's all like emotional and I never went forward and they were like, come forward to pray. And I never went forward. I stayed right in my seat. But I remember praying, Lord, do not let this be a mountaintop experience. Just praying that over and over. Like, I mean this. I want this. And I went home. Dan and I were not dating. We were really good friends. And I remember a few weeks after returning st- school had started in the fall, he said, you're so different. You're so different. So isn't that interesting? Somebody who knew me so yeah. well could see the
0: difference. Wow. That is interesting. And you weren't dating him then. He already, he already saw the change in you though, being your friend.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh,
0: wow. Wow. That is wow. And especially him too you know, maybe, you know, seeing that change in you sparked a little something extra in him too. You know, you never know. I feel like God really does put people together, you know, like with you two, just, it just seems like he really put you together for a wonderful purpose. And it's, it's just amazing how he can work in our lives like that. I mean, even like young. So I definitely did not want to like pass over what happened with Dan and that story. I just wanted to kind of talk a little bit about you, you know, coming kind of back to him whenever you were a teenager. And then yeah. that's so funny that you say that Dan really recognized it. I think that's great. And then once you guys, so what starting your life with him and once you, you know, you have seven wonderful children and everything, what did it look like once you, cause that's, that's, completely devastating. And like I said, you know, you feel comfortable sharing whatever you want to share about it. I don't want to take you too much through like every step of that, but how was the family unit? How did you guys pray together? How were you like around that? Did would your kids embracing Jesus or was it kind of like they were questioning things or do you feel like you were all pretty much a, a very tight unit?
1: Well, you know, we were, so the time Dan died, my children were four years old and then my oldest was, had just finished his freshman year of college. So they Mm. were at all different points. And after he died, you know, it's, it's hard enough walking through your own grief, but then trying to navigate and shepherd your children through theirs. It's really just overwhelming. And there's people will come to me and say, how do I do this? And I think the only answer I can give you is because every family is different and it looks different is to say, is just to say authentically grieve together, whatever that looks like. Like, don't feel like you have to show up all put together for your children and don't feel like, and don't make them feel like they have to. I remember sitting down with my kids and saying, um, grief is going to look different for each of us and we're going to have to have a lot of grace with each other this year. That's how naive I was. Thinking it would just be a year until we got back on our till we got back on our feet. Um, and it did look different for each of us. My four-year-old, every day in the car, she would at some point randomly just start crying and saying, I miss daddy, I miss daddy. Sometimes at very just ironic times. I remember my daughter, a few months after Dan died, my daughter was went to this Florida event called, it used to be called Junior Miss. Now it's like Distinguished Young Women. It's kind of a scholarship program slash slightly a pageant. (laughs) And so she won, she won for Florida and we were like, like we had never done pageants, but this was like all the streamers coming down and the flowers being handed her. And you know, we were going up on stage, all the kids and I'm holding my daughter on my hip with all this music and this confetti coming down. And she is whispering in my ear or saying to my ear, I miss daddy. I miss daddy. (sighs) And just that, that is such a picture of grief. Like these events are happening. These milestone events are happening. And then in the midst of that is this gaping, painful loss. It's never one or the other. It is both of them coexisting. So I think just, you know, going, how did my family react with that? I think we all, I think I just tried to walk them through as best I could. We did a lot of reading aloud together. We would do, so we were homeschooling families. We had the opportunity, the time to like have that Bible time together every morning. And I remember we started reading about like books on heaven and, you know, every everything from picture books from the little ones to like some, some bigger books with my older ones. And we just, I, we, you know, I kept an open conversation. I tried to keep a safe place for them to just be able to share and talk however it looked. And it looked different for my daughter than for my teen sons than for my six-year-old and four-year-old.
0: Oh my goodness. I am sure it looks so different for, and it's probably still looks different for them. You know, I mean, every stage you guys are going through together and I love that you pointed out that you just got to authentically grieve together because there is no way that you're going to have that like, quote unquote, you know, as a mother, you want to have that strength for all of them, right? Mm -hmm. Like you want to make sure that you can, because you want to shelter them from all these big feelings and all this all this pain, you know? I I mean, like you said, perfect picture of grief. Uh wonderful thing happening, missing her father and whispering it, right? Like does it just uh but I think that's amazing. I think that you just guided them in such a wonderful way. I bet that a lot of women listening to this too are probably just thinking the same thing. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I'm just going to do it with them and that's it. And that's just a wonderful guidance I think for somebody who's, you know, kind of lost because like you said, I mean, especially all your different personalities with all your children all different ages, all different everything, it would be impossible to to really carry them through each thing, you know, and while you're feeling it yourself. How did you Handle that? How did you handle those moments that were really tough and maybe even angry at God or frustrated with Him? You know, how did you handle that?
1: Yeah, I was overwhelmed in every sense of the word. Mm. And I think when life falls apart, you know, we get to a place of overwhelm where we're having to navigate decisions and massive change and, and hard emotions and hard questions. I would get up every morning and I would kind of get them settled. You know, started for the day. And then I would get into my minivan. I say some people have a prayer closet. I have a minivan. (laughs) And I would go around the corner to this little park and just park. And in that quiet, that minivan where nobody could slip a note under the door or like come into my room, I would just cry out to God. And sometimes Mm -hmm. I cried out audibly. Sometimes I would just journal. You know, every day I journaled, but just I would just have that time to be able to kind of un unburdened my heart with everything that I had been carrying and all of all the worries that I had and all the fears and the missing and the loneliness, just all of it. I, I never went through anger. I, I did go through questions like, why would you take such a good dad? Mm. And some of the ironies of the situation, you know, that his mom, who was not in very good health at all, who the last thing he had been doing was, was doing some paperwork for her, you know, not that I wanted, of course, anything to happen to her, but just the irony of of life that he was, he died suddenly so young, you know, and she was there with us for several more years, which was a grace. So yeah, just, I would get alone in my car. I would cry out to God. I would kind of pour that out to him. And then I would open the Bible. I, was, I happened to be reading through the Bible for a year. Again, I had not started that year doing that. It, Dan had actually been doing it and I was just desperate for the Lord. I was desperate for the word more than I was, more than I needed my own food. And so I would just not go looking for a passage that would meet me or speak to me, but I would just open to that day's reading. And it never ceased to amaze me how God would meet me wherever I was reading, whether it was Leviticus or Psalms or one of the Gospels. I mean, God would meet me on the words of that page. He would remind me who he is and how he cares for us. And it would give me enough hope to go back into the house and parent for that day. It was not enough for the week. I would have to go back the next day and do it over. And it became a daily, daily, it's like that daily manna. I would go out and pick up my daily manna and it was enough for that day. When we say God is enough, that's what it looks like. It's not like God is enough and we never have to go through anything hard. It's that God is enough to get through this moment to get through this difficulty, get through this day. And it won't always feel like this. I mean, I kept telling myself that it won't always feel like this, but I did have to um, have that hope to get through each day until, until we got our fitting. And until I started, you know, my, my smile came back.
0: Wow. I think that is so Perfect to say how he gives it to you for that day because that is in that daily walk with him, because that is something that is so unknown when you say you were overwhelmed in every sense. I think that is an overwhelming piece of it. Like when is this going to go away? When is it going to lighten up? When is it ever going to get better? But I think you made a good point that you surrendered every day. You made that time, no matter how busy you were, no matter how intense, no matter how overwhelmed you felt, you made that time in the morning or whenever it was and took everything to him, which I think is a really great thing. A lot of the women who listen to this podcast struggle with one making time Mm -hmm. and even feeling good enough to, for God to meet them where they are. Like a lot of them feel broken and that they don't deserve it. And then especially if they're angry at God for something that has happened, what would you say helped you to be able to lay it at his feet whenever you went there? Was it something that was just came very easy to you because you had been in, you know, the scriptures because you have been walking through it? Or was it something, was there anything extra that you did to maybe help the woman listening now who just is like, I, it's so hard for me to just surrender.
1: Hmm. It is for sure too hard for us. We were not made for death or divorce or disease or devastation like this. We weren't made for it. And so when these things happen, it is, it does overwhelm when we, it's, you know, that old saying that God won't give you more than you can handle. That's Mm -hmm. just, that's not true. Yes. We can absolutely find ourselves in circumstances that are too hard for us. I remember every day for well over a year writing at the top of my journal, this is too hard. I cannot do this. Like all caps, bold, underlined. And that yeah. was the reality of my heart. I'm sure people looked at me and they thought, you're so strong. But I knew what was going on inside and I knew the f- war that was raging in, in my You know, mentally, in my thoughts, in my emotions, I could feel the enemy. I felt like the enemy was trying to get his toe into our family Mm. and just pull it apart. And so I think the only thing to do, listen, this was not Lisa who had everything put together and was doing all the right things. This was Lisa who was desperate for the Lord. And sometimes I think we can feel that nudge to meet with the Lord, to open the word, to go meet with him in prayer or maybe to read a devotion or the Bible, and we think it's guilt. we think God is guilting us like you haven't met with me, you're so bad, you're so you're staying, but it's not it's it's wooing us like somebody who loves us, like somebody who is holding out their hands and says, "I have everything you need." come to me now it makes me weep Aww. because I remember, I remember those days where I just was desperate. And um, he says, come to me. And so I think it, for the woman who's, who's listening to this right now and is saying, I've stayed away from God and I haven't opened the word and I am mad. Um, to just listen to that nudge and to, um, to open it give God a chance to meet you where you are. And it's not going to look all tidy and everything's not going to be wrapped up with a bow that first day, Mm. but God will meet you where you are. He will give you hope. He will encourage you. He will remind you how much he loves you. He will remind you of his promises and his faithfulness. And that's how we do life. You know, we're not promised that life will be easy. We're
0: promised that God will be faithful. I hope you enjoyed today's show. This is part one of my interview with Lisa Apolo, so make sure to stay tuned for part two. If you haven't yet subscribed, click that subscribe button so that you can be notified as soon as the next part comes out. Our show today is brought to you by The Wilson Shop on Etsy. Beautiful designs and encouraging words can change the world. If you're looking for positive messaging on your favorite apparel journals and gift items, visit thewilsonshop.com. If this episode encouraged you, please consider sending it to one friend you think would benefit from what we've discussed. You can go right into your favorite podcast app and click share. I'm so grateful for this time with you and thank you for listening.